0: From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. I can't call myself a good steward of of Alaskans money if we're drawing on savings at $100 a barrel. That was Juneau Senator Jesse Keel on the Senate floor Tuesday as the body passed a state spending package that includes dividends of about $4,200 to residents this year, plus energy relief checks of $1,300. The package passed 15 to 5 and next goes to the State House, which will have to decide whether to agree with the Senate version. Senator Donnie Olson shared a memory of budgets gone by. I remember back uh, when uh, when it was said we had the
1: permanent fund, God, please give us one more Prudhoe Bay and we won't blow it this time. Even though the amount was quite small, I feel that... uh, that saying could be said about this budget as well so again i will be a no vote and hope the two co-chairs of finance
0: representing the majority come out with a miracle senator natasha von imhoff said basing a budget and dividend on the price of oil is reckless
2: no one can predict the price of oil and for folks to say, well, we've got you know war in Ukraine or whatnot, and that's going to help the price of oil, no one can protect the price of oil or the market for the next 12 months. And to create a budget that depends on $100 oil per barrel, in my opinion, is reckless.
0: Von Imhoff added that a balance needs to be found without extremes and either regular expenditures or a dividend.
2: We do have money to pay for a healthy budget and a healthy dividend. We don't have enough to pay at the highest level desired by both. The key is to have a balance between the two. Some money towards a dividend, some money towards capital projects. I value that we live within our means, I value that we live in a sustainable budget, and I value balance.
0: In the end, Von Imhoff said she could not support the budget at all.
2: Trading a high dividend of billions of dollars means other things are not funded. Mr. President, the irony is that this is one of the collective highest budgets in history, I checked during our break, and is supported by so-called fiscal conservatives. I speak for Alaskans today who think beyond the next election cycle. I will not be supportive of this defective budget.
0: Senator Burt Stedman, the co-chair of the Senate Finance Committee, said the issue will need to be dealt with by the next legislature.
1: I wish The next legislature luck, it's unfortunate that we're leaving them in this type of condition. But that's what they're going to inherit. And um, God bless them, and I hope they can increase the savings and keep the state moving forward and not put us in a position where we start liquidating the permanent fund.
0: State Supreme Court has ruled that absent a constitutional amendment, the dividend must compete for funds like other state programs. One year of funding for K-12 through public schools, for comparison, is about $1.2 billion. The House has passed Senate Bill 174, which prohibits schools and employers from adopting dress codes which disallow students or employees from wearing their hair in styles that are commonly associated with race, are a natural or protective style, or require a student to permanently or semi-permanently alter their natural hair. Representative Garen Tarr carried the Senate bill in the House.
2: I appreciate the comments that were made on the floor today, um, particularly folks just reflecting on the conversations that have taken place and the learning, because I guess when I think about this bill fundamentally, I think of it in the way of when we know better, we do better. And we're always learning. And, you know, when we learn that something we have done has negative impacts in a way that we don't want to, I was especially moved by the comments. Um, about how we want our schools to be productive and positive learning environments and about how we need to make sure that we are teaching children how to be accepting and respectful of other cultures and that you know we're promoting environments of more inclusivity. Those things are also precious to my heart.
0: Senate Bill 174 defines what standards are unacceptable for school districts and employers to place on hair. This legislation still allows for the restriction of hairstyles based on health and safety laws and regulation. The U.S. Senate is slated to vote on a bill that would codify the Roe v. Wade abortion decision into law, potentially safeguarding abortion rights in the U.S. and potentially protecting it from being overturned by a Supreme Court decision. Most Republicans are expected to vote no on the bill, including Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska.
2: I had stated my concerns with that legislation, previously voted against that legislation.
0: But Murkowski also told reporters that she and Senator Susan Collins of Maine are writing legislation that they believe is better and would also codify the road decision. The U.S. Interior Department is expected to release a report today that it says will begin to uncover the truth about the federal government's past oversight of Native American boarding schools. Interior Secretary Deb Holland announced an initiative last June to investigate the troubled legacy of the schools Indigenous children were taken from their communities for decades and forced into schools that sought to strip them of their language and culture. Churches also led some of the schools, backed by U.S. laws and policies. Later this week, a congressional subcommittee will hear testimony on a bill to establish a truth and healing commission. In the May edition of Alaska Economic Trends prepared by the Research and Analysis Unit in the Alaska Department of Labor and Workforce Development, looks at where alaska residents migrate to within the state it was penned by demographer eric sandberg in-state migration in the last 20 years declined by 25 percent sandberg explained that rural communities in the state tend to see more in-state migrants whereas urban communities see more out-of-state migrants
3: generally they migrate to urban areas for they uh, tend to the destinations tend to closely match the state's population so more populous urban areas receive about a proportionate share of migrants but for rural areas in-state migration is a larger factor both in people who leave rural areas tend to stay within the state and rural areas tend to get migrants from in-state versus urban areas which are while they receive most of the in-state migrants, in-state migrants make up a smaller percentage of the newcomers moving into
0: a place like Juneau or Anchorage. Sandberg said that migration in Southeast is an interesting case since migrants from cities within the region stay in the region. In-state migration within Southeast, it tends to be more
3: localized. People in Southeast don't tend to move to other parts of the state. If you're moving in southeast and you're staying in state, you tend to move to another part of southeast. So often, Anchor, or Petersburg to Juneau or Haynes to Juneau or Prince of Wales to Ketchikan. So southeast is unique in that regard.
0: Sandberg said that while men move out of the state at a higher rate, the gender ratio for in-state movers have skewed female
3: women now tend to move more within Alaska than men, which is different from the movement of people into and out of the state. I did an article a couple years ago looking at migration into Alaska and out of Alaska, and it's still mostly men, about 120 per 100 women. But in-state migration is now mostly women, about 96 men moving for uh, per hundred women, and it's not a huge difference in ratio, but it has changed over the last 20 years. About 20 years ago, is still about 110 men moving for 100 women, and I looked at it as a very interesting result, but I don't have a very good explanation.
0: <laughs> Demographer Eric Sandberg commenting on Action Line. This Saturday, the Salvation Army of Juno will celebrate a hundred years serving the local community. The celebration will have festivities commencing at Douglas Island Pioneer Pavilion in Savico Park from one PM to four PM Saturday. Juno Corps officers Majors Shane and Gina Halverson will host the weekend's programs with Juno Mayor Beth Weldon and Representative Sarah Hannon in attendance. The Juneau Assembly Finance Committee will meet tonight to continue budget discussions for the coming year. Mayor Beth Weldon spoke on the KINY morning show with Dano. She says there is light at the end of the tunnel on budget issues.
4: One of our last, if not the last, presentation from uh, JEDC, or General Economic Development Council, and then we start uh, moving with action items. We'll be uh, moving the school district budget, um, the CIP um, Plan um, the passenger fee plan, and then we'll spend most of the evening on the decision list. Right now, there's many requests um, for money. Um, I think it's almost two million dollars worth. So um, hopefully, the uh, we will be careful because we're already in a three million dollar deficit, and we don't add too much to that.
0: And a windfall of 16 million for a school bond debt reimbursement is still not written in stone, the mayor said.
4: That's not totally been decided, but we think it's going to make it. But there's a difference between the operating budget, which is ongoing and forevermore, and one-time funding. And that will be a one-time funding. So will it take care of the deficit this year? Yes. But uh, it's only taking care of it this year. So technically in the budget we still have a structural problem, they call. Why it sounds great that we are getting the $60 million and we're very happy if we end up getting that. Um, and hopefully can give it to uh, deferred maintenance or CIP projects, um, which would in, could include the schools. We just have to be careful to remember that that's a one-time funding, and most of our requests on our decision list are ongoing funding. That would be year after year.
0: The meeting will be held at 5.30 p.m. in Assembly Chambers at City Hall. The meeting will be streamed live on Zoom. The city and borough of Juneau is considering a ballot proposition to construct a new city hall in the Auk Village District. The proposed site is at 450 Whittier Street. City staff are seeking public input on conceptual drawings, renderings, and cost estimates. A public forum webinar will be held on May 19th. More information can be found under the news tab of KINYradio.com. Governor Mike Dunleavy is recognizing the first ever National Fentanyl Awareness Day. According to the governor, the drug has made its way to Alaska through the southern border. It is extremely poisonous, a hundred more times more potent than morphine. Dunleavy spoke at a press conference recently where he declared what a danger the drug is to Alaska. There's a lot of fentanyl getting across
1: the border, coming to the border, getting across the border. This is not something folks are making up. This is where the research is showing where it's coming from. It's not coming from Russia. It's not coming from Canada. It's coming in from Mexico. It's coming in through a very porous border. And, uh, you know, the, the border for, for apparently many reasons is not being enforced like other countries enforce their borders. This conversation we're having right now is happening just uh, everywhere across this country. Same stories, the same source, source country for the uh, precursors, China,
0: made in Mexico. It's, it's a fact that it's happening in this manner. Don Levy says fentanyl is more than just an importation issue. Hopefully these
1: discussions will resonate with everybody.
0: Because this isn't just an enforcement issue, as was mentioned.
1: Uh, this is an addiction issue. This is a um, medical issue. This is a um, peer issue. It's also a border issue to some extent. It's not coming through Russia. It's not coming over the Bering Sea. It's not coming through Canada that uh, we're aware of. Uh, you may have some that drive up. But certainly Canada has not been targeted as a country that uh, fentanyl is emanating from. It's coming up from uh, Mexico.
0: Dunleavy added that he has joined 25 other governors in the American governor's border strike force. Next year is the deadline for air travelers to get their Real ID compliant driver's licenses and identification cards. Beginning May 3rd, 2023, Every air traveler will need to present a Real ID-compliant driver's license or other acceptable form of identification to fly within the United States. In 2005, Congress had passed the Real ID Act in an effort to strengthen identification rules at airports. The act established minimum security standards for state-issued driver's licenses. In a release by Alaska Airlines, they said that if a person's license is not compliant and they don't have another acceptable form of ID, there will be trouble getting through airport security. However, if you want to fly after May 3rd, 2023 with other acceptable identification, a U.S. passport or U.S. military ID, the airline said that individuals can do that instead. After its partial sinking three weeks ago, local leaders have said that the USS The Sullivans is righted and floating and will be reopened to the public in time for Memorial Day weekend. USS The Sullivans was named for five brothers who were all killed while serving aboard the USS Juno during World War II. It is now a major attraction at the Buffalo and Erie County Naval and Military Park in upstate New York. The Sullivan suffered a hull breach on its starboard side on April 13th, causing it to tilt back and to the right. Mayor of Buffalo Byron Brown said in a press conference Thursday.
2: We are very happy to report today uh, that the effort to save the Sullivans is on course and the ship uh, is righted and floating.
0: Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.